I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Voice Notes with me, Venetia. Last week, I went to see the most highly anticipated and heavily marketed film of the year, Barbie. I went to see it the day it came out. I was extremely excited. I wore my seven-year-old pink jumpsuit, which is originally from a fast fashion brand. And I didn't realize just how much of a moment the pink jumpsuit has in this film. So I was incredibly excited when it appeared on my screen. I had my store-bought sweet and salty popcorn at the ready because cinema popcorn... Those prices, please. I also bought some chocolate peanut salted caramel clusters from Doisy and Dam. Very delicious. Mixing those two together, highly recommend. And it was my first time in a cinema in a really long time. I went with my husband and two more of our friends. And as soon as I sat down and started watching the adverts and all the rest of it, it just made me realise there's a reason why you go to a cinema. The experience is truly wonderful. Being in a room with lots of other people, the sound quality in cinemas now is extraordinary. And for a film like this, I really do think it warrants seeing it on a big screen. A little bit about my childhood with Barbie. I don't think I was as into Barbie as I was Beanie Babies, Scale Electrics, Diggers and Woodlice. However, I did enjoy playing with them when my older sisters wanted me to play with them because playing with your older sisters when they're four and five years older than you is always like being on a roller coaster ride. So when my sisters wanted to play Barbie, I was very up for it. But the only Barbie that I had that I remember being absolutely in love with was Aladdin. I had the Aladdin Barbie and I just thought he was the bee's knees. I would like to share some thoughts that I had about the film. There will be a few spoilers, just a heads up. And I'm going to try and engage my film studies joint bachelor's degree here and explain some of my some of my thoughts. Firstly, the sets are out of this world. They were one of my favourite parts of watching this movie. It feels as though you can touch them. When you are in Barbie land, everything is plastic fantastic in the best possible way. I really do think they couldn't have got the sets in Barbie land better if they tried. They clearly put so much thought and time and of course money into the sets and they were just incredible. I wish I could visit those sets. I just think they are, they were just unreal. I also loved the soundtrack. I loved being able to hear some of our favourite pop stars. Dua Lipa is even in the film. She plays a mermaid. She has two lines. Both of them were delivered beautifully. One of my criticisms is that there wasn't enough Dua Peeps. I wanted more Dua Lipa. I'm a huge Dua Lipa fan and I wanted more of her. 
I also really appreciated how Barbie and Ken and many of the Barbies and Kens actually, I would say the vast majority of them are being played by grown adults. I really loved that about it. I don't think I would have been as engaged if they were being played by actors who were in their kind of late teens, early 20s, as is so often the way with blockbuster movies like this. And I felt very safe with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Margot Robbie is clearly such a talented actor and producer, and it really feels as though the future couldn't be brighter for her. I personally wouldn't be surprised if she goes into directing herself in the future. And I'm also a huge fan of the director, Greta Gerwig. I loved Little Women. I loved Lady Bird. Everything was lined up in a way that I was pretty certain that I would enjoy this film. I definitely was expecting a twist. I thought it might go down the Don't Worry Darling route, which was the film with Florence Pugh and Harry Styles that came out last year, directed by Olivia Wilde. And it definitely does have twists and turns, but they're not as dramatic as Don't Worry Darling, which was a relief, to be honest, because I really just wanted some some glossy shininess on my Friday evening. The clothes, hair and makeup are an absolute delight to behold. My one frustration was that I could have done with a little bit less Chanel. I know this is a part of online discourse at the moment. Everyone's very keen for Margot Robbie to be released from her Chanel contract. And for me, knowing that she works with them and she's a partner with them, I just thought, oh, ad. I just saw advert when I saw Chanel. And the Chanel outfits weren't really my favorite outfits. I also think it's really interesting to track Margot's outfits from the beginning to the end because they're definitely telling a story about what her character is going through. So when I watch the movie the second time, I will be paying close attention to that journey that her clothes go on and that she goes on with her clothes because they're definitely a part of the storytelling. A few minor criticisms. When we went to the real world in California, I got a little bit tired of the scenes that were set around the school. And actually, the scenes that were set in California, for me, I think they could have mixed up the locations and the sets more there. Perhaps it's because I was so satisfied by Barbie land, I wanted more from the real world. And maybe that was intentional because it does provide a really great contrast to Barbie land because it's much grayer, much more mundane. But I found myself wanting a little bit more differentiation in the real world scenes. I also felt like the film lost its way a little bit towards the end and could have benefited from a tiny bit more editing. But those are very minor, minor points. There's so much about this film that I absolutely loved. I think the moment at which Margot and Ryan, aka Barbie and Ken, arrive in the real world in California is absolutely sublime. It intelligently represents the patriarchy in a way that I have not seen before and found so refreshing and found very emotional. And I found myself thinking I would do anything to feel safe around men in the real world. And how different would our lives be if we weren't under a patriarchy? And something else that I think the film does really wonderfully is also via the character of Alan show how men are also being harmed by the patriarchy and I think they do that really cleverly as well with Ryan's character when he's 
kind of just saying, I just really liked horses and I don't think I really like the patriarchy all that much. I think that these were very kind of clever, subtle nods to how the patriarchy is harmful for all of us. Another huge moment for me was, of course, America Ferreira's speech. Yes, it was a tiny bit generic, but this is a mega blockbuster film that's going to be seen all over the world. And I think it needed to be a bit generic to connect with the amount of people it needed to connect with. I don't think the film is perfect. Of course, there are plot holes. Of course, it's not the perfect representation of feminism, but I don't really care. I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. And I think it's awesome that Greta Gerwig made history as Barbie had the biggest opening weekend for a film directed by a woman. It grossed $356 million while Oppenheimer took home $180 million. So it's the biggest box office smash of 2023 so far. Of course, it's coming from a huge multinational corporation and inherently this film is not anti-capitalist. And there are lots of critiques around that that I've seen online and I do think they're valid, but I don't need this film to be (laughs) anti-capitalist. I just don't need it to be. I'm happy for it to be pink and shiny and glossy and to appreciate Ryan Gosling's humour and Margot Robbie's I want to say like safety. I just feel so safe with Margot Robbie's acting. And I also really, really appreciated seeing so many of the sex education cast in this film. I would have liked to see Simone Ashley. That would have been great. But I really loved the Barbie sex education crossover. So those are some of my Barbie thoughts. I'm now going to share a voice note from my friend, Rone, who also went to see the film last week. And... We had a little bit of a chat about it. So here's what she has to say. Where to start? My goodness. I was so excited to see this film and then very nervous because I saw the kind of reviews floating around that I didn't read, but I got the gist of the negativity and I was just like, I'm really hopeful that it doesn't disappoint. And now that I've seen it, oh my goodness, it was just the right amount of silliness to me. As a Barbie girl, like so many of my formative life hours were spent playing with Barbie. And two things can be true at the same time, right? The depiction of that doll completely warped my sense of beauty standards and body image. And she was the joy that brought me and my friends together to play for a really, really long time. So I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was bloody amazing. The poking fun at reality and turning it on its head was incredibly, like, detailed. Everyone in my screening was, like, deep belly laughing at so many points during the screening. The highlighting of how ridiculous the extreme binaries are in society and how they obviously won't work towards a collective end goal. Loved it. America Ferreira's speech. My goodness. Goosebumps. The energy and the entire room changed for us. Like I looked to the side and my friend was like shedding a tear. I was clutching my pulse. Like, oh, I just love her. She really made such an incredible impression on the entire story, I would say. Like that scene I could watch over and over again. But generally, I just think the details were chef's kiss, physicist Barbie accepting her Nobel Prize and just saying, I worked really hard for this. I deserve this. Thank you. And then like walking off the stage with her trophy, like goals. 
and also I guess just intrigued by the reviews that have floated around about it being you know anti-men and I just want to say that the Bechdel test exists for a reason and Ken is an incredibly adored character in this film Barbie literally encourages him to go and figure out what he likes about himself and figure out what he wants instead of stringing him along in a relationship that she's not interested in purely because quote unquote she should just end up with the guy she was like no let's go and be happy so yeah all the guys that are like this is an anti-man film just consider that the Bechdel test exists for a reason and that's the live reality generally when it comes to filmmaking this isn't one of those issues so just enjoy it I can't wait to go see it again thank you so much Ronay I really enjoyed listening to that for anyone who isn't familiar with the Bechdel test it's a measure of the representation of women in film and other forms of fiction and to pass this test the work must feature at least two women who speak to each other about something other than a man. Really important for us to think about. I am so pleased Rene brought up the moment where a Barbie receives a Nobel Prize. This line where the Barbie says, I worked really hard for this. I deserve it. Thank you. Made me so emotional. I was like, I can't be this close to crying this early on in the film. If you are listening to this and you're a woman, I want us all to really focus in and center in on this energy so hard. Like from now until the rest of the year, anytime we find ourselves saying, oh yeah, I mean, I, I did work quite hard on it, but I don't know, like there are other people who are probably better at it than me. I probably could have like scored higher or got a better result or could have worked hard on it. Stop it. Absolutely stop it right now. We know when we've worked hard for something or hard on something, no matter what it is, whether it's work related, whether it's self work, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, whatever it is in life, if we worked hard for it, we deserve the joy and the success that comes with that. And on this vein of thought, I've been watching a lot of interviews with Margot Robbie post film. I would love to say that I have reached peak Barbie. I absolutely haven't. I'm still taking in all of the hashtag content. In this interview with Margot, she explains that when she was prepping for the role of Barbie, she did a lot of research and she found herself on the Barbie YouTube channel where a sort of cartoon representation of Barbie films vlogs in her Barbie house. It's actually very, very cute. I watched some of them. And in one of the videos that Margot mentions, Barbie explains that as women, it's very common for us to apologize. We apologize all the time. My mum actually makes me, every time I think of apologizing, I think of my mum. My mum is constantly apologizing and she has nothing to be sorry for. She's literally the best person in the entire world. And we do this as women, right? We are apologizing all of the time. We're apologizing for our existence. And in this vlog that Barbie does on her YouTube channel, she says, instead of saying sorry, let's say thank you. And this is something I'm going to be trying to do as well for the rest of the year. Instead of saying sorry and apologizing, I'm going to say thank you. And you can do this in emails. You can do this in conversations. And you can specifically do this with 
men and of course with each other. So I'm really going to be focusing in on that. Who thought Barbie's YouTube channel would have taught Margot Robbie something and then all of us as well. Okay, I think that's it on the Barbie front. So it's bye Barbie for now. But please do send in any reflections that you might have either via an email or a voice note and you can send it to atstpod at gmail.com. You'll be kept anonymous unless I'm told otherwise. It's now time for a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be sharing some listener correspondence. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. I'm going to play a voice note that I received recently, which has some wonderful reflections on recent episodes. Hi, Venetia. Greetings from Indonesia. I just want to say that I really love your podcast, especially the voice note series. So thank you for making them available for us all. I would like to give you some comments regarding two of the episodes that you published before. One is related to having children and another one related to my best friend works at Shell. So I will start one by one. Regarding the having children episode, I would like to say congratulations and thank you for sharing your story, vulnerability regarding the topic. I feel that it's very important to discuss about this. When many more people talk about this, the topic becomes more accessible and many more people become empowered and encouraged to share their point of views as well. So thank you for that. And one thing that I would like to point out is that when you mentioned the term of starting a family, I just realized that in my country and in our local language, starting a family doesn't actually mean having children. It actually means being married, even though usually the question about children comes after that. But it's just one cultural difference that I would like to point out and I would like to share with you because it's so interesting to see the difference of the context between the UK culture and the Indonesian culture regarding this. So yeah, at the end of the day, I believe that, you know, family is the people that you choose to be with, the people that you choose to nurture the relationships with, and that's what matters. And another comment that I have is regarding a different episode about my best friend works at Shell. So a little bit of a context from my side is that I am a law graduate. I went to a law school and I previously worked at different environmental organizations for different environmental issues. 
And of course, I do have a lot of friends who are lawyers and they actually work at the complete opposite side compared to mine. So I do have friends who work for the fossil fuel industry and also for the incinerator industry. And I did have some heavy, difficult conversations with them. So I completely understand about the email that you shared in that episode and also your point of view as well. I just want to share my personal point of view, which is that I completely agree, 100% agree with you that it's important to start the conversations and to keep the conversations going with the different party. But at the end of the day, sometimes, unfortunately, you cannot change people's minds. It doesn't mean that you, you should stop advocating and campaigning for the planet and the marginalized communities. But if at the end of the day, you cannot change everyone's minds, then that's okay. Because if we feel that we have to change everyone's minds about it, then that's going to be too burdening for us. And we would eventually beat ourselves up too much for that. And that's not good. That's not what keeps the activism going. And it's also important to have activism that when we do it, we try as kind and as um, open-minded, open-hearted as possible. Only when we connect to the other people, to the other person, especially our best friends or like our close friends, then that will work, hopefully. And good luck for everyone advocating, working, campaigning for the environment um, and also the communities. I'm with you all. So good luck. And thank you, Venetia, once again for your podcast. I love you and I love everyone else. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being here and for such wonderful thoughts. Firstly, I really appreciated hearing about the cultural difference in language between the UK and Indonesia. I'm not a linguist and I definitely don't know all that much about language, but clearly there's so much hidden in our words and the way that our language is formulated and the history of it. So that's really useful for us to think about. And I also completely agree with you. I think we really do choose our family. I personally have learned a lot about the concept of a chosen family from the queer community and the trans community. And I think it's really comforting for us to think about. I loved your thoughts about the my best friend works for Shell episode. And it's really interesting to hear your perspective as someone who has friends who work in both the fossil fuel industry and the incinerator industry, which I don't know all that much about and would love to learn more about. And since listening to your voice note, I had a really great conversation with my neighbor who I went on a walk with yesterday. And she's a bit older than me. I think she's about 40. She's very she's very wise and she's very considered and she too believes that you can't change everyone's minds and people have to be kind of willing to make a change and be in a place to make a change but she also thinks it's worth as you mentioned as well kind of sowing seeds and having conversations because you don't know when those seeds might grow further down the line A lot of us can get bogged down in trying to change people who are in immediate proximity to us. I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I definitely do think that it's more valuable for me to spend my time trying to create change and try to build coalitions and 
build collective action with others who are wanting that also. We recently hosted our first Take Action Against Big Fashion workshop, which is a free series of workshops that are taking place online. You only need to attend one. And in these sessions, we come together with folks to discuss ways in which we could take action against big fashion does what it says on the tin but it's obviously there's lots in these workshops as well I'll leave a link to them in the show notes because it would be great to have some of you along to them it just feels like the best use of time to be in spaces with people who are genuinely wanting to learn and to learn from each other and to make change and I have been someone who has got so caught up in online outrage in the past. And I still do. I continue to, whether I'm creating online outrage myself or engaging with it through other mediums, I have loved a bit of online outrage. Is it the best use of our time? Similarly, is trying to change people's minds who frankly don't want to be changed the best use of our time? I'm not so sure. So I really appreciated this voice note yes, we need to be having conversations. Yes, we need to be sowing seeds. We should not get bogged down when we feel as though what we're saying is not being received and someone isn't going to change their mind or change their habits or join a climate activism campaign group. We need to be very intentional about the limited time that we have. And I am learning more and more about where I want my energy to go in terms of trying to create this kind of swell of collective action. Side note, I just loved how you signed out that voice note by saying, I love everyone. I love that. That was just so joyful. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I also received an email this week about Offline 48 and spending time off our phones based on the most recent episode of this podcast before this one about breaking up with your phone. Hey, Venetia, I've been struggling big time with my phone addiction lately, and I wanted to share three tidbits that have helped me. One, having healthy slash positive behavior apps like meditation, breath work, workouts most visible on the home screen of my phone rather than hidden within the category widgets makes me use them more often. Small wins. Same but reverse concept goes for hiding slash deleting the social media apps. Two, phone foyer method. Cal Newport coined this term, but having your phone live in the entryway helps me use it less. A psychologist told me that we're like dogs in Pavlov's experiment, so deeply trained in our attachment to our phones that the mere sight of a phone leads us to pick them up. So hiding it in a drawer or leaving it in the entryway or foyer of your home can help folks use it less rather than having it with you at all times. Three, I've downloaded the Merlin Bird ID app and I'm getting so much joy out of using it to record bird sounds around me and identify new birds in my neighborhood. I'm trying to train myself to use that app instead of scrolling if I have my phone in hand. It helps me be more present with and connected to the nature that surrounds me. 
oh my gosh, this app sounds so up my street, especially as I mentioned previously on an episode that I do want to get more into bird watching and learn more about birds. So this app sounds like perfection. And I absolutely agree with you on the other points. I think we can definitely make our home screen and our phone look less appealing. Black and white mode is actually very, very helpful for that. And there are also hacks to kind of jar your brain into stopping yourself picking it up out of habit. One way to do that is to put an elastic band around your phone. And for a little while, you'll find yourself realizing that you put the band around your phone for a reason and it's to prevent you going on it needlessly. I also definitely agree that putting your phone in a drawer is a really great way to spend less time on it. Over the weekend, if I'm doing Offline 48, I will almost hide my phone as a way to try and forget where it is. And it helps me stop thinking about it so much. And it definitely prevents us from reaching for it so much. So I absolutely love these tips. And I will be downloading the Merlin Bird ID app so quickly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Just a heads up, I'm going to take a break from recording the show for a little while. I am planning on taking some time off, thinking about how I can perhaps improve the episodes, hopefully monetize them a bit better. As a recent episode of Sex and the City showed us, podcasts, when you're not a reality star or a comedian or a very high profile celebrity are notoriously difficult to monetize. And so I need to go away and work out how to make this a bit more financially viable. I am definitely making it because I love making it and I really, really enjoy connecting with you, but I do spend quite a lot of time on it and I need to make it worthwhile for that reason. So please do bear with me while I figure out how best to proceed. I'd love to hear your suggestions about where you think this show should go. What would you like me to talk about? Who would you like me to interview? Any ideas are so welcome. You can email me at atstpod at gmail.com. I want to say an especially big shout out to my editor, Nada. Nada, do not cut this out. Thank you for bringing these episodes together so beautifully. You are so talented and you are a joy to work with. I will hopefully see you very, very soon. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.